0: Hello, and welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the Scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal study, and connect to God in your everyday life. I'm your host, Krista Horton, and I am here with my lovely co host, Zachary Horton.
1: Oh, I'm lovely. And you use my full name. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Sure. It pleaseth me to be here, Krista.
0: Okay. <laughs> Anywho, um, this week we are studying Ether chapter 6 through 11, um, starting into, well, more of the story that we started last week. This week's study of In Come, Follow Me is Ether chapter 6 through 11, and we will be studying those chapters today, just a continuation of really just uh, so much to learn from this story. What a great story. So here we are. And we're glad to be here. Hope you're doing well you out say, there.
1: You said you had a low to share.
0: I did have a low. I will share it. Um, so this week, I've just been thinking that I'm kind of missing Survivor. Mm. There's They're not recording new seasons, obviously, because it's a pandemic. And on the scale of what's getting cut out for the pandemic, this is a very small one, obviously, but... Um, I just, I look forward to that every week. I know we have some fellow Survivor fans out there because I feel like when we've mentioned this in the past, we always have people reaching out. So I know I'm not alone in this, but um, yeah, it's just kind of been a staple for me of that, that weekly thing that we meet up and we watch Survivor. Keeps me going.
1: Well, and this week is about surviving and there's oceans and it's the Jaredites surviving through their challenges. (laughs) Huh? Huh?
0: Good one. Good (laughs) one. My other low is how long it's taking us to record this episode. Yeah, this is. We have <laughs> we have been back and forth trying to get this going, but we have a lot. I mean, this is just great stuff in these chapters, and so um, maybe we just better get started talking about what's important, and then things are going to start to flow for us. So here we go. Um, yeah, let's start this. Well,
1: um, last week we we kind of skipped quickly through, or I guess assumed, that the story was understood. And I know that it's a well-known story, but just for sake of context, um, this story of the Jaredites is one that takes place thousands of years before the Nephites. Lehi and his family leave Jerusalem 600 years before Christ. Uh, Jared and his family leave the Old World and come to the Promised Land or come across the ocean uh, 2,000 years plus before Christ. so This is a really old story. Um, And Moroni, this story, once they uh, uncover these records in Nephite history, they find the records of the Jaredites, uh, they give them to King Mosiah, he passes them down, and Moroni chooses to include them in the Book of Mormon. I think because the story of the Jaredites is the story of the Book of Mormon condensed into 15 chapters Uh, There's wars, there's political intrigue, uh, there's upheaval, and the end of the story is the sad tale of the destruction of a people that, of course, Moroni has just seen with his own people, then he fights, and now he's seen with the Jaredites. And so not to depress anyone, but um, here's where the story goes. We have that incredible experience that the brother of Jared has that we studied last week, and then this week things just start to... um, Careen off of the spiritual edge. Um, This is chapter 6, verse 22. Jared and the brother of Jared uh, take a census of the people, and they desire to know of them what they want. And the people come back and say, We want a king. And both Jared and his brother, uh, it says, This is grievous to them. The brother of Jared says, Surely this thing leads to captivity. But Jared says, this is what they want. Let's have a king. Uh, and so they do uh, anoint a king. It's one of uh, Jared's sons, Oriha. However, in the very next chapter, uh, this is verse 5. And when they had gathered together an army, he came to the land of Moron where the king dwelt and took him captive. This is Korahor, uh, his son which brought to pass the saying of the brother of Jared that they would be brought into captivity. And from here on, the rest of the story is uh, a back-and-forth battle between brother and brother, or son and father, or father and son, or sons against, or, or recruiting outside people. There's um, secret combinations that are brought in, hidden murders. Uh, it's, it's It gets really, really bad. Until you get to the end of chapter 10, where in a brief moment of righteousness... Moroni, who's narrating, just says there could never be a people more blessed than they. And then six verses later, there were robbers in the land, they adopted the old plans, administered oaths after the manner of the ancients, and sought again to destroy the kingdom. Um, For me, at least, reading this story can be kind of depressing. I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone in kind of sticking to the beginning chapters of Ether and then skipping over all of this and getting to chapter 12, where Moroni talks about faith. But Um, As I was studying it this week, it was actually you, Krista, that pointed out something that I had never noticed before that made this all feel so much, I don't know, more manageable or better, Um, especially as I'm looking at this and thinking, hey, we've got a lot of some of this stuff going on in our world today. Um, At the time of recording this episode, we're in the middle of a debated political contest in the United States, and there seems to be a lot of anger and um, vitriolic discussion going around and so it can be really depressing or really hard to navigate. Um, but I think there's something, something that you have that, um, that can make a difference.
0: Well, it started because of last week's study. I noticed something repeated, actually, in these last few verses, like you said, that we kind of skip over. The brother of Jared's story, to me, has really always been this uplifting, oh, he touches the stones, and, that's, and but there's a lot more to it, like you said. And I kept noticing something as I was studying, and that was the, the process, the cycle that they would go through. And every time that there was righteousness, it said something like this. I'm going to read these verses. So this is First Ether chapter 6, verse 30. It says, And it came to pass that Oriha did walk humbly before the Lord, and did remember how great things the Lord had done for his father, and also taught his people how great things the Lord had done for their fathers. And then... We go through again and more wickedness and then it's brought back again um, in chapter 7 verse 27. And there were no more wars in the days of Shul and he remembered the great things that the Lord had done for his fathers in bringing them across the great deep into the promised land wherefore he did execute judgment in righteousness in all his days. And then it happens again. The cycle goes through again. And this one's in Ether chapter 10, verse 2. And it came to pass that Shez did remember the destruction of his fathers, and he did build up a righteous kingdom, for he remembered what the Lord had done in bringing Jared and his brother across the, great, across the deep. And he did walk in the ways of the Lord, and he begat sons and daughters. In each of these instances, there was peace and righteousness because they remembered they looked back and they remembered what had been done for people before them and they knew that it was proved that it worked. Um, and so today's study, what we went through, these chapters, is what was it that they were remembering? What brought them back to righteousness just by looking back at this story? And how does that apply to us today as we go wade through our own great deeps in life? And what do we need to remember and learn from, from the story? Well,
1: and I think the first point to be made, uh, and forgive me for going back an episode or back a study, but um, I've, loved, I've always loved the story of the brother of Jared, finding or getting the idea of the stones. Uh, and I always taught it as, or understood it as this great story of how God helps us to solve our own problems. Until I read it, this is about a year ago when I read it, and realized the testimony the brother of Jared came out of that experience with wasn't, I've learned that I can do great things. Listen to this. This is uh, back in chapter 3, verse 4. The brother of Jared says, And I know, O Lord, that thou hast all power. And then verse 5, Behold, O Lord, thou canst do this. The testimony the brother of Jared came away from that experience with wasn't, look at what I figured out how to do, it's God can do anything. And so the first point I think to be made is in all those instances where they're remembering, they're remembering what the Lord has done specifically to bring them through this great deep. We found three things at least, and I'm sure there's more that you find in your study, but we found three things that the Lord specifically did to bring them through the great deep that helped them, but even more importantly, it can help us wade through, as you said, our own great deep. The first one uh, is in verse three in chapter six. Thus, the Lord caused the stones to shine in darkness, to give light unto men, women, and children that they might not cross the waters in the great deep or waters in darkness. So the first thing the Lord does is with everything that they had, the people had prepared, he caused these stones to shine in darkness. And I love that Um, image or that truth because it combines something really ordinary these stones and you think through the history of God working with man and how often he uses really ordinary things to do incredible things Um, the Urim and Thummim are stones the seer stone that Joseph used is a stone in Daniel's vision of the restoration Uh, He sees a stone cut out of the mountain without hands. It's all these really ordinary, basic, everyday things. All of the Savior's teachings were about uh, water or bread or seeds. Really basic, ordinary things that, when God touches them, become extraordinary or incredible things. And so I love that image here at the beginning.
0: Well, this is the verse that stuck out to me. I think there's so many ways in which we can take this when it comes to light, but this is verse three in chapter six. And thus the Lord caused stones to shine in darkness, to give light unto men, women, and children, that they might not cross the great waters in darkness. And of course, we love how Jesus teaches with light. He teaches that he is the light. He teaches that we are the light. And that's what it is. We... He gives us the light and we're able to spread it to men, women, children that they might not cross the great waters in darkness. Um, I love the analogy of the great deep. I, I probably will say this a few times throughout this episode, but just that analogy of sometimes that's what it feels like for us in life is that we're, we're going through a great deep and it's hard and it's dark, but we can be, we can use the light of Jesus Christ for ourselves. Um, maybe we have the light of Christ from others help us through those times, and that's what it—that's what it's there for.
1: And I love thinking of in this situation that light comes from um, these stones, these ordinary things. And so it makes mm-hmm. me wonder: what are the ordinary things? If the truth, if this first truth that they remember is that God can make ordinary things glow—that's a poor way to state a truth, but. God can take the ordinary and make it extraordinary. He can take the mundane and make it magical. He can take darkness and make it light. If that's the truth, then the question that comes to me, at least, is what are the ordinary, mundane, maybe overlooked parts of my life that if I asked the Lord, if I turned them over to him, if I allowed him in, he could make glow he could make them be a highlight of my life he could make them be something that gives me strength
0: well even this that he caused the stones to shine Hmm. that that idea like in in what we usually use the word shine as today i think it's kind of cool to think of that shine that i don't know that has just that connotation of brightness of hope yeah that word shined us
1: he can take ordinary things he can take things that might seem dark and make Mm -hmm. them into something that's Mm -hmm. that's hope-filled yeah well and I think you made this point um, before we were recording. but I've often thought um, Joseph Smith described himself as a rough stone rolling, a very famous phrase. But even he understood about himself that he is something ordinary that when touched by God can be extraordinary. And it makes me think of this uh, in the New Testament. This is first John chapter 1 verses five through 7. Uh, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanseth us from all sin. Um, I love the marriage of a stone to the finger of God taking something bland and making it into something really divine. That can apply to things within our life, and I think it can also apply to us, that uh, when God works through us or touches us, it makes us into something that can give light to others. The second one, the third actually, it's a third thing that God, the Lord does, but it's the second point we want to make is in verse 7. Um, back to your great deep. It came to pass that when they were buried in the deep, There was no water that could hurt them, their vessels being tight like unto a dish, and also they were tight like unto the ark of Noah. Therefore, when they were encompassed about by many waters, as I read that phrase, I thought of how symbolic that can be for the way that we often feel. When they were encompassed about by many waters, they did cry unto the Lord, and he did bring them forth again upon the top of the waters. Um... I love the second truth that when we are surrounded by waters, whatever those waters may be, uh, God can both provide us the light, but he can also bring us up on top of the waters. Even when we feel like we're buried, he has the ability to bring us up uh, out of that great deep.
0: Well, I think it's important to point out that they didn't, he didn't just do this. Maybe he would have, but they were, in constant communication throughout this whole journey, or so it seems, mm. we have at the end of that verse that you read in verse seven, they did cry unto the Lord, um, and then I love verse nine when it says, and they did sing praises unto the Lord. Yea, the brother of Jared did sing praises unto the Lord and thank and praise the Lord all the day long, and when the night came, they did not cease to praise the Lord. So here they are, just knowing that they are dedicating this; like they have no other hope, but that God is leading them. Um, he's already provided the light and provided the instructions on what they need to do. And so sometimes they're going to cry to him because they're in agony and they're not sure what to do. And then other times they're going to maybe sing praises of, um, sing in agony or sing in, but it really gives you the, allu- the, well, it says that. They prayed all the time, whether it was they were crying or they were singing praises, they were keeping in touch with him because they knew it was him that was going to bring them.
1: So the question I have then is, how do you do that? Because I, I love this. I love that both of these happen when they're in the boat. I, I misread verse nine. I thought they sang praises after they got out, but you pointed out no. They they they're they're doing that when they're in the boat.
0: I think they just needed something else to do. Like, let's just sing. (laughs) Okay, we're done crying. Let's just just sing and clap. I
1: just wonder when we're... I know from my own experience from talking to so many others that when you are swallowed about by waters or in the great deep, whatever it is that's causing you to feel that way, sometimes um, you don't feel like singing or praising or praying even. So how do you do something like that um, when you're surrounded by things like... Like they are, or they were here.
0: Um, well, I don't know. I'll, I guess.
1: You're the only one in the audience that can answer. answer.
0: (laughs) I mean, when I look at this one, that they did cry unto the Lord in their depths of despair, literally depths of the water. Um, for me, when I'm feeling that way, sometimes the only thing that I can do is pray. Sometimes even reading scriptures or doing A conference, listening to a conference talk or studying something just feels too much. But luckily for me, at least, um, praying never feels like too much. Mm. That's always kind of a relief of at least I can be desperately sad or desperately buried and I can still pray. So for me it becomes really easy to cry into the Lord because it's very simple. And just even if it's that prayer of like, please help me have motivation to do something. And maybe, maybe that's why it is. So at least that's the first thing. And then I guess in the singing praises one, if we're singing praises to Jesus and clapping our hands, and um, I think that's another one of them, just the gratitude I mean, every self-help in the self-help world, I think the number one thing is that recognizing what you have. And even if it's sitting down and writing a list of just three things that you're grateful for, or three, three ways in which you've seen God, or maybe you go out on a walk. I know that's another one I've heard a lot is go out and walk, look around and say three, three, uh, say a couple things that you're grateful for. And I'm, I think that's, that's what they're doing. They're crying to him. They're being grateful for the small things, even though they're stuck in a boat in the great deep.
1: And I think it's important uh, as we think back on what we studied last week. You remember the brother of Jared had three questions How do we get air? How do we get light? And how do we get direction? And our last episode was all about how the Lord answers those three questions in three different ways. But he does answer. He gives them light, he gives them air, and he gives them direction. This is the fulfillment of all of the things that he promised to do in chapter 3. So we read he gives them light in the darkness. The second one is about air. He brings them up upon the waters because they need air. They can't be buried under the ocean the entire time because they need need air. And thinking about us, the times when God can help us find air. Um, It doesn't mean that we're going to leave the waters. They still have a long journey ahead of them. But it does mean that he provides us moments when we can just breathe. And maybe what you're talking about with prayer and simple gratitude are simple ways to get just a little bit of air.
0: It's interesting to think of that in that way because that's totally what it is. It's that uh, that breath of air of sometimes that you just need even just a little something that I think those things can provide. Yeah.
1: Well, the third thing the Lord does for them then is he gives them direction. And I mentioned last week that this is my, my, or currently my favorite answer the Lord gives because his answer to the brother of Jared is, I will direct you. I will take care of it. Essentially, I have all things in control. I will make sure you get to the promised land. And I love that truth. This week adds a little bit of nuance to that truth because uh, this is verse 5. This is how the Lord Gets them to the Promised Land. He promises that he'll get them there and he will take care of everything. But this is how he does it. Came to pass that the Lord God caused that there should be a furious wind blow upon the face of the waters towards the Promised Land. And thus they were tossed upon the waves of the sea before the wind. It came to pass that they were many times buried in the depths of the sea because of the mountain waves which broke upon them, and also the great and terrible tempests which were caused by the fierceness of the wind. And then verse 8, it came to pass that the wind did never cease to blow towards the promised land while they were upon the waters, and thus they were driven forth before the wind. Um, I don't know if I love this truth, but it rings very true to me that in the Lord's efforts to get us to the promised land, whatever our promised land might be, that path a lot of times uh, involves furious winds being tossed, being buried by mountain waves, some terrible tempests, fierce winds, um, but that no matter what those things are, they continually blow us towards the promised land.
0: Well, that's in verse 4. They, you know, they step into the barges and set forth into the sea. And then at the end of verse four, it says, commending themselves unto the Lord, their God. And it came to pass that the Lord caused that there should be furious winds to blow. (laughs) And I think that's the, that commending themselves unto the Lord, their God. They're getting in there and they're just saying, here we go. This is, hopefully we get somewhere because here we go. Um, Something kind of scary. I think that's the, I couldn't help but think of, The kind of that Christian saying of Jesus, take the will.
1: I'm glad you said it with that voice because I was going to make you say it with that (laughs) voice if you didn't.
0: I said it slightly more animated (laughs) before, but um, isn't that what this is? They step in and they say, "Okay, we have no choice. We're leaving it up to you, Jesus. Take the will and we're going to pray and praise and cry in agony towards you as we're here, but we're trusting that you, you're going to steer us in the right direction. And he does.
1: Yeah, It takes a lot of faith to step into a boat, to put your life in the hands of a God that you know uh, uses difficult experiences to not only get you somewhere, but to get you to be someone. Um, and so I love the trust and the faith that is embedded in that step. Uh, He will lead us and guide us and direct us. uh, But we have to trust him that the things that happen, the waves and the winds, are part of that guidance and that direction.
0: So if you're clapping and singing praises or saying, Jesus, take the wheel, then there you go. (laughs) That's all you need to know.
1: Well, those are the three things we found. You might find others. But um, it's powerful to remember with everything going on in our world. For us to remember that god provides light in the darkness he gives us air when we're surrounded by water Uh, and everything that's happening is blowing us towards a promised land and making us a more promised people even though it might not look like that Um, i was struck in this account in verse 11 they were driven forth three hundred and forty and four days upon the water this took a year And so as later Jaredites are thinking back and remembering how great things the Lord has done for them, part of remembering is it didn't happen instantaneously. It took a year for them to get from the old world to the new world. Um, And I'm sure there were many more difficulties and trials as they built a civilization. And I think it's important for us to know that same thing, that uh, the most important things that God is doing a lot of times take a lot of time. A lot of times take a lot of time. It takes a lot of, uh, of time. For great things to happen, especially the most important things, and it's important for us to remember that that big uh, changes don't happen instantaneously.
0: Well, in verse twelve, it they is when they land upon the shore of the promised land. And when they had set their feet upon the shores of the promised land, they bowed themselves down upon the face of the land and did humble themselves before the Lord and did shed tears of joy before the Lord because of the multitude of his tender mercies over them. So here they are again, um, maybe just in a different type of prayer, but they are just so grateful and recognizing those tender mercies that he has given to them. And then down to verse 17 says, They were taught to walk humbly before the Lord. And they were also taught from on high. Sometimes our trials, um, though, though he's leading us and guiding us, they're still hard. And But we can always stick with him um, and sing praises to him and bow ourselves down to thank him and recognizing all that he does. And I think as we go through those things and as we do those things, he continues to walk with us and he continues to teach us from on high. And those experiences bring us closer to him. So remember that this week as you study to maybe in your own life, maybe you need this too, of recognizing what, what the Lord is doing for you. And hopefully these chapters help you do this. I know that they did for, for me. So hope you have a great week, a great study, and we will be back next week. Thanks so much.